1: I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What's going on? What's been happening
2: in your world? Guess what? Well, I've got a roast going, Val. <laughs> a That's roast? Slow, yeah, slow cooking. Roast y- lamb. Really? Yeah. I'm very proud. The house smells amazing, actually. I wow. just thought I'd just like do that today. I felt like it. Okay. It's really nice.
1: Have you got people you... coming over?
2: No. But like every now and then, I just like to be a good mum. Okay. I do things like that, you know, just to take everyone off guard and go, look, I've cooked and it's Wow. Um, you did that too. You cooked the other day. I nearly fell over that you put something up that actually looked edible, Val. I was very <laughs> proud of you.
1: What was but,
2: it? I, it was like a series of things, but it looked colorful and like <laughs> it looked impressive. Oh, you know what it was? I had the flu.
1: This was when I had the flu, I think, mm-hmm. and I just felt I needed flu food. And, um, so, yeah, so it was uh, congee, um, which is like a Asian porridge kind of thing. It's cabbage, isn't it? No, it's not cabbage. Oh, it's not cabbage. No, no, no. So, yeah, it's, it was, it's like great comfort food. Flu food. Yeah,
2: flu food. That's mm. so, so Val, That's fantastic.
1: Yes, thank you. And I do notice that some people in our podcast community did comment on that picture and said Gina would be very proud. There's not of a shot course. of a coffee or, a, or or a cat.
2: Good. It's obvious that some of the stuff's rubbing off. It's good, Val. <laughs> um, I'm excited about this week's episode. This is like I can go back through our archives and I know that the ones that are like the foundation ones that if you'd like, if you can get, something out of this today it's going to make your photography so much better so i'm just i'm really excited we're doing um a whole episode on something that a lot of people get really confused about and that's how to color balance and expose for skin tones Mm. like color and exposure are two different things and uh i'm going to break it down and explain it all hopefully very simply
1: very, very exciting. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, before we go on to that, let's uh, cover off some listener questions. Yep. We have a follow-up question from uh, last week's spa question. Now, you might remember that Daniella last week asked us about what you, like what you would do if you were in her situation because she had been asked by a spa to do a bunch of headshots for their social media and, you know, some shots around the spa. Mm-hmm. But, Andre Valco from the UK has asked a follow-up question from that and he said, would it be possible to touch on the value and pricing for such a service? I know this depends on many factors, but I'd love to hear about how to approach this within the realm of team headshots Mm. and possibly also the need to emphasise the benefits of great headshot photos and thus increase the value of the photo shoot, especially if the competition drives the price down. Depending on the budget, this may go hand in hand with time one spends on the whole operation. So the additional question is, what's the typical and reasonable time period per person that we can try to negotiate with a company? Andre continues saying, from personal experience, I know that sometimes less than five minutes per person is sufficient and other times even half an hour may not be enough. Let's say that a company restricts the time too much even after discussion and negotiation should we go for it and hope for the best possibly having to lower our standards and risk bad reputation or decline to shoot i know that this again depends on actual circumstances personal approach and a feeling lucky state of (laughs) mind but i was wondering if what you would suggest for us who are starting out and need just about every shot that is released into the wild to be as good as possible that is um, a very good it is question. It's a
2: cracker of a question. Mm. Um and so this is uh something that I've I've tackled a lot in my career and and you will get like the companies that are totally uh on board with you and are, like educated and know that like we need to give you uh, twenty minutes to thirty minutes per person, and then there's the ones that come from the. It's just one frame. You're just taking a photo. Mm. I hate that word so much. Just take mm. a photo. Um, and uh, they're they're expecting you to do their team of fifty. Well, if you got a minute per person, you should be able to. Is an hour enough? <laughs> you know so. It comes down to kind of explaining that uh, what's involved, and maybe uh, showing uh, images and before and afters, and and like just saying that if I've got the more time I have with the person, the more time I can work with them and get an authentic and and, and great shot. The other thing, Andre, that I think you really need to do is put yourself into situations where you're going to have to do that baptism of fire. And I'm saying to put yourself in situations where they're not going to damage your career. So like I would would put put my hand up to do photo shoots for um, maybe the the local kids school where you're doing 50 kids. It's not going to affect your reputation. Everyone's going to love the shots, but it gives you the opportunity to practice Moving quickly and looking at a face and summing it up and going, okay, you're a left, you're a right, tilt your head. It's just really good practice and, and well worth doing. Or the local senior citizens club or the local sporting club. Yeah, football know, they're teams. also very, very, very happy to have their photo taken and you're getting to deal with different personalities different skin tones and you can actually perfect mm. and tweak your lighting skill. And, and then from that, I've seen your work too, Andre, it's beautiful, your headshot. So I think, um, I think you've got the time spending time on a headshot. You've got that down, but I think under pressure that, that might be another ball game for you. So this is probably a really good exercise because then you could really put yourself out there and no matter where you were thrown, you could handle it really well because you're a good shooter. So, um, that's my recommendation to and and then and then you can come back and you've got this strong folio and the confidence to say I can get each I need 7 minutes per person. Mm. Okay? 3 minutes to warm them up, 3 minutes to shoot and 1 minute just in case.
1: And so what is your suggestion on the kind of pricing? I don't necessarily mean exact numbers, course, but I mean yeah. should should it be like a you know, a half-day shoot quote? Should it be a per-headshot quote?
2: Yep. What, what do you think? It's a combination of all of that. So what the first thing that you need to do is you need to specify a minimum rate, and that is what it costs you, and every trade has this, every trade, what it costs to get you out the door and into another person's uh, operation, set up your lights, bump in and bump out. That's the minimum cost, and that could be for one or ten headshots. Does that make sense, Val? Yeah. Because otherwise, if you then and, then, and then you can break it down to a per shot. So say you were doing uh, 20 people, you might work it out at, you know, $5 a shot and that's a ridiculous price, but I'm just making the math easy for myself, Val. <laughs> but so if it's $5 a shot and, and there's uh, 10 people, it's, it's 50 bucks, right? And that, that would be your minimum to whether it's one person or 10 right is always going to be 50 bucks and that's how you sort of uh you sort of work out uh the 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 sort of ha- how to charge per person um and pu- always put as much information as possible into that quote because like it's mm. not enough to just go 50 people Fifty bucks, because people look at it and they go, well, what am I getting for that? So you want to break it down and you want to mention that the files and the uh, post-production and the pre-production and all the work that goes into the file, and you might want to actually add on at the end that retouching is X amount extra. And then I also like to specify that if there's another 10 people, it's this much per person extra Mm. on the bottom. Just cover yourself. And then educate the client. You need to be the one that's saying, "Well, you know, yes, you can do it at one dollar a headshot if you want, but that's what you'll get. But if you, you know, spend a little extra, you can see that to to get the create the shots on my website that you've seen, this is the kind of time that I need."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great advice, especially um, what you were saying about putting yourself under pressure, like putting, getting practice, putting yourself.
2: Yeah, with the different, you know, and you'll get the person who's like, oh, I love having my photo taken, take it, and they're really easy. And then the next three could be the really shy ones that you've got to work on. And you just, you get really good at, like, just being able to almost – sum a person up before they've even sat down in front of you. You, go, you, you you know okay this person's going to be uh easy or this one's a thinker I've got to get them out of their mm. head or this one's confident on the surface but they're insecure so they're going to do silly things to try and um put me off my game it, like mm. you just you just learn with experience so it put your hand up for those sorts of activities and just get the practice right idea.
1: Now, we're going to do a photo cr- critique from some photos by Sharon from Melbourne. And Sharon has a series of photos that she's taken at an AFL game. So that's um, football in Australia for our uh, Northern Hemisphere listeners. And um, there's a great shot of a footballer. It looks like sort of post-game and he's kind of, the, the the crowd is cheering and they're clapping and he's gone to the, um you know, the perimeter and he's handing a little sort of toy football or he's taking a little toy football off a fan. Yeah. And then there's another shot again of the players congratulating the players and there's two AFL players and they're right next to each other. Uh, Well, one is behind the other, and one has extremely fair skin. uh, It looks like it could be a redhead even, but extremely fair skin. He's got sunscreen over his face. And in the foreground, there is an AFL player with a much darker skin. Yes. And so I think that ties in, of course, really well to what we're going to be discussing today about colour balance and skin tones. But Sharon has asked... I'm doing photography for one of the AFL Cup teams and was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to show, to shoot a Cup game, Melbourne versus Western Bulldogs. Loved the players' interaction with the crowd after the game. Here are two of my shots. Constructive criticism. Welcome. Now, of course, Sharon put uh, uploaded these to our Facebook group, and if you want to join our Facebook group, uh, it's free. It's Just go to Facebook and search for So You Want To Be A Photographer podcast community and join. It's a great place where we all hang out. Uh, But okay, critique, Gina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put put uh, these images in the show notes too, which you'll find at ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A.
2: I think Sharon's done a great uh, job recording uh, the, the, this day that she's captured, mm. and uh, she's done it in a, in a in a way that you you feel like you're there. She's done it from the perspective of like. you, you, you you know, it's not you're not a spectator. I feel like I'm yeah. I'm there as part of the crowd, or or yes. like right up close, which is a really uh, great documentary style. I love it in terms of um exposure and her shooting style. I think she's managed to nail the exposure. The second shot that you described, where you've got a very fair skin tone yeah. next to a very dark skin tone, is a situation that could bamboozle a lot of people. And uh, if she metered off the wrong area, she would get um, um uh, a completely different reading and in this case she's got a very bright sky a very dark skin and then a very light skin tone and and this exposure she's nailed it and this is an example of where post production Sharon is going to really be your friend in this image because there is nothing more you could have done you've you've captured this perfectly but the um the next thing you might maybe add a bit of feel flash they're not going to, the players are not going to love you for that if you're just popping flash in their face. So you've exposed um, well, you take this and uh, into something like Lightroom and you're able to just maybe just give uh, the overall shot a little bit more contrast and then maybe just lighten the player in the uh, foreground's face just a little bit to bring a little bit more detail into that. And that's all you'd need to do. Yeah, fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Really good
2: shots. Really good shots, Sharon.
1: Now, we want to give a shout-out to Crowbard. (laughs) That's (laughs) C-R-O-W-B-A-R-D, Crowbard, who um, very kindly has left us a five-star review on iTunes under the heading Need to Rave. And Crowbard has said, not only am I still listening to the podcast, well, let's be honest here, I'm hooked on it, but I've also joined the new community online, which looks to be absolutely fantastic. Can't wait to sink my teeth into it. So please, please, please keep the podcasts coming. I get them on Thursdays here in California but start to get twitchy by Monday afternoon. (laughs) I try to be good about it, you know, try to break each episode down to listen to it in little morsels (laughs) and make it last longer but it never works out that way. I might as well try to eat a slice of freshly toasted and nutellied bread (laughs) slowly. Ain't going to happen. So there it is, Gina and Val. Please keep your slices of pure genius coming from Addicted in Cupertino. Oh, wow. That's so
2: cool. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Crowbard. That's really yeah. made our day. Yes. <laughs> and Crowbard is referring to the new community online, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com because Gold Membership has recently opened and it's fantastic to see so many people from all over the world. Oh, of course all- – from California, from Oregon, from New Jersey, from uh, Melbourne, Sydney, uh, UK, Netherlands, um, places that, I've never been. <laughs> so welcome to all of you who have joined from all over the world. It's uh, it's still early days, but it's fantastic to have so many great people in the community. And I hope you take the time to browse around because there's lots of fantastic resources in the community, tutorials um, where Gina explains everything from, you know, how to um do post-production so that you make teeth whiter or how to make your eyes pop you know in in a photo how to photoshop out light stands that might be in your shot um as well as some great courses and of course a wonderful discussion area where uh, you can ask questions to the community and of course also to gina and uh, another wonderful thing that's happening every month, and we just did a practice run, didn't we, Gina? We did. Um, where every month we're going to do a monthly call. Well, it's like a webinar, a Q&A call, where you can just get on the phone with Gina, or we'll get on the internet really with Gina, but it's all live, and um, and ask Gina your questions or if you want feedback on some of your work or whatever. So it's pretty exciting. It's great to see so many people in the community And if you want to have a look at it, then just go have a look at ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. So welcome to the community, Crowbar. I'm going to look out for for your name, although it might be a different name in the community. Now, this episode is all about how to expose and colour balance skin tones. And it was actually inspired by a listener question from Kerry Setch. And Kerry has said that um, as it's footy season and I switch into weekend warrior of sports photography (laughs) with my son's footy team, I was just wondering if there is a general rule of thumb for groups of varying skin tone. Now, this is just very similar to, you know, Sharon's pictures. Yes. Um, uh, The game is fast and the light varies a lot. I tend to shoot AV and vary ISO to keep speed up for sharper images. Yeah. Or is metering for this a whole other ball game? Pardon the pun. Oh. So uh yeah this is a really great question because there are so many situations where you know especially these days with people for who, who all look quite different from each other with very different skin tones and it's yep. so hard to know which one to go for and when they're all in the same shot so yes. where in the world i don't i don't even know where to start on this gina where do we where in the world do we start
2: so The thing that a lot of people get really confused about, Val, is uh, color balance and exposure. And they're two different things. So when we're trying to get our skin tones looking right, we want to make sure that they're exposed correctly. And then we've got this whole other issue of uh, getting the color balance or the color tone in the image correct to suit that skin tone. So we're going to tackle all of it today. All right. Um,
1: well in the first so, instance can we tackle yep. color balance it's, first because yes. I
2: think a lot of people don't necessarily
1: aren't quite sure perhaps what you might be referring to.
2: Yeah. so um when uh like so just to answer the the question uh the the first question about metering for mixed skin tones to get the exposure correct mm-hmm. uh we we explained that uh in the episode about the matrix uh, a few episodes back but basically um If you have lots of different skin tones in an image, using the uh, system that I explained a few weeks ago where you you try and meter off, uh, if you're metering off a really light skin tone, Mm -hmm. then you know that the camera is going to uh, try and get that back to a neutral and the equivalent of a middle gray tone the equivalent tone in color to mid-gray right and uh if you are metering off a darker skin tone the camera is again going to try and get you back to neutral back to a mid-gray so what happens if you meter off a dark skin tone the camera tends to overexpose because it's taking a reading off reflected light and uh it'll give you a like a lighter skin tone that you need when you meter off a lighter skin tone you're going to end up with an underexposed image so yep. Know those hacks? We remember them from from last time. So yep. basically, this is no different. When you've got a group, if you've got lots of different skin tones, you can actually scan the group and try and get a uh, a midpoint, an average setting that you set off. Like, so I've actually uh, uh found a, a great stock shot that uh, that uh, really explains this very well, Val. Where okay. I've got um. So we'll put these uh, images in the show yes. notes.
1: Okay. Where
2: I've got uh, a family of three. And the mother is fair-skinned and blonde. Mm -hmm. The father is very dark-skinned and with black, jet black hair. And the son is uh, a mix of the two. And, in fact, his skin tone is exactly mid-grey. Hmm. Well, he's, got, he's got like a perfect mid-grade skin tone. So what if, if I, and I've given an example where if now if I was taking that portrait and I choose to meter off the mum, the mother who has fair skin, I'm going to get an image overall that's underexposed. Mm. The mother's skin tone will be underexposed. The father's skin tone will be underexposed and so will the son's. If because I they're her, making the fair mother mid-grade. They're making the fair mother mid grey but we're also and it's under underexposing the entire image val. Yeah, yeah so if I expose on the father skin tone it's like Goldilocks in the free three <laughs> bears, you know, It's not not too um if I expose on the father's skin tone which is a very dark mm. skin tone The camera metering system is going to overexpose that image because it's going to want to make that skin tone mid-grey, which is Mm. too light. So the father's skin tone ends up being too light. The mother's skin tone also ends up being too light. And so does the son's. But when I go and I meter off the son, who actually has like an equivalent of a mid-grey skin tone, everyone looks perfect. Yes, I get it. Okay, so if you don't happen to have someone running around on the field, <laughs> Kerry, that has a mid, mid mid grey sort of equivalent skin tone, a yes. couple of things you can do. You can just use those tricks that we uh, or hacks that I, I recommended a couple of weeks ago. So you can find the uh, if you you're metering off a lighter skin tone. I always suggested that you open up a stop, okay, and that's yes. going to give you a correct. Skin tone for that light skin tone in that light that your play that the players are in. So all the other skin tones will also be correct. Or if you wanted to just to mix it up a bit, you could meter off the darker skin tone. You're going to get an overexposed image, and you you need to compensate by underexposing a little bit. But then all the other skin tones will also be correct. So it doesn't matter how you do it if you just remember. What the camera keeps trying to want to do, mm. it's going to want to bring it back to average mid grey. The other workaround, Kerry, is to just get a light meter, stand out in in the in the light where you need to be, and take a reading. The other another really good trick uh, is if you've got the, uh, you can put your hand in front of the camera in the same light that all the players is, and you can meter off your hand. Oh. Okay? Rather than having to try and find a skin tone out there and use that as your set point for your metering. And so most hands are probably uh, fairly... They're not a mid-gray, but it's like a light skin tone. You compensate to to get that correct. And when your hand looks correct, you know that all the other skin tones out on the field will be correct. Well, not all, all hands are... What to that they're different colours, like the pink, white, light. They're all different colours. But it depends on what colour her skin tone. But she she meters off the the skin on her hand. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm doing the inside of my hand too, Val.
1: Okay.
2: Um, meters off that gets that correct based okay. on whether it's light or mid grey or a dark skin tone. And when that's correct, all the other skin tones are going to be the same because all, you, all you're all you telling the camera is this is exactly the light that's reflected off this um, subject. Mm. Does that make sense, Val? Sort of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got it until the hand bit. I'm just saying – I got everything until the hand bit.
2: If she's trying to get an accurate meter reading off skin tones when there's hundreds of people running around, she's trying to get like little tiny areas of skin to yes, try and meter yes, off. So it's, it's going to be a lot harder. So you give her like a whole section of skin yes. to, to, to meter off using that. If it's too dark, I will open up a stop to, to make it a bit brighter. You mean if your hand is too dark? Yeah, so you're metering off the hand. You're taking yeah. a reading. You're you're putting the hand in front of the lens, and, and so you're making a judgment as
1: to whether based off the hand. Okay, so let's say my hand is um...
2: your hand. You've got a light skin tone.
1: Yes. You've got a so, light. So then, what would
2: happen? So if I metered, if you were metering off the back of your hand, Valerie, yes. based on that, yes. knowing that you have, let's call your skin tone fair. Okay. okay. If you just took that reading, the camera's going to give you uh, an image that's a little bit underexposed, isn't yes, it? It's going yes. to give mid grey. So you know that if you, that was your face you were trying to photograph, mm-hmm. you know that you need to give that more exposure to get an actual correct skin tone, right? Right. Yes. So you've set it for your hand, okay, and you know that now your hand in that light, that's the correct exposure.
1: So, so, anyone
2: else who walks into that exact same light mm. is now correctly exposed for. You've got a base got set it. point.
1: Now, let's pretend my hand is dark. It's very dark skin. Just pretend that.
2: So, if you meet it off your hand, you know that the camera is going to overexpose yep. that. It's going okay. to, want to get a mid tone. So, you know that you need to stop down a little bit, give it less exposure to get the correct exposure. Got it. Got it. All okay, right. maybe it was a bit well, slow today, but got it. it's no, all right. No, it's good. You're probably asking that question. There's probably a lot of people going, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else?
1: That's okay. So, so, um, that makes sense. <clears throat> okay. So, um, but so, so that, that's that. That's that's the uh, exposure. So, um, that was in answer to the question about, um, you know, where there's groups of varying skin tone, but. My last question was to explain color balance.
2: Yeah. So, color balance and exposure two different things. So, yes. light has a distinct colour and, and there are times of the day when you'll notice it like sunset. You'll notice the red in the sky yes. but there's other times when like I could tell you like you could walk into a house that's lit uh, uh, with old fashioned like the old school tungsten lighting you know the the warmer style of lighting and you walk into that room after five minutes you're not going to see the difference in colour. It's not going to be yellow. You're going to see like a natural light because your lights or your eyes are always acclimating to the light and and um you you will see if if I was wearing a white t-shirt in a room lit with warm lights mm. you wouldn't see that white as a brown or or yellow you'd see white still because mm-hmm. yep, yep. your eyes are able to 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 reset the camera isn't okay so um Light, the colours of the – colour is like uh, created by reflected light. So um, I actually went online and I got a very basic children's description of why the sky is blue. Okay. Read it out because it's really good. It just sums it up. So a clear cloudless daytime sky is blue because molecules in the air scatter blue light from the sun more than they scatter the red light. When we look towards the sun at sunset, we see red and orange colours because the blue light has been scattered out and away from the line of sight. That's Hmm. why the sky is blue. There's a link if you want to go to the website. Okay, great. All right, so that's what we're seeing, and the camera picks up on that as well. Now, before digital, uh, Val, we would have to choose the type of film we were using to match the type of light we were going to be shooting in, and this used to be like a really confusing thing. So when I was doing uh, photography on set for TV networks, I had to make sure that I had colour film that was uh, specially coated to shoot under tungsten lighting because it was a lot warmer than normal daylight lighting, Mm. right? So, because otherwise the, the colors would be all wrong. So um, this is like the camera now, uh, SLR cameras have different settings that you can change the color settings of the camera to suit the, the time of day or the the situation that you're shooting in, because otherwise, if you don't do that, your images end up getting a cast. Have you ever noticed, Val? Have you ever like maybe photographed something in a inside a shopping centre or where the colours a little bit different, and you get your photos and you have a look, and that there, there might be like a there might be a bit redder than normal, mm. or a bit bluer or a bit more mm. yellow. That's the colour cast, but you can correct that. And it can make a huge difference um, to how your skin tones look and the overall mood of a shot. So, like, a a room lit with fluorescent lighting is not only the worst thing you can do on a first date, because that's just, like, the (laughs) lighting ever, okay? Yes, ever. It's it's, it's awful. I know. I know. I know. I, like,
1: used to, like, have this rule that if – with guys that I dated, that if I – their place had fluorescent lighting, that was the end.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't <laughs> want to go in there. No, no, you just don't. Like, you know, like the supermarket, awful. It's like, why do you always bump into people you haven't seen for ages yeah. and just, you know, it's the worst lighting in the world? Yeah. So it's either fluoro will either put a green or a magenta cast over – um, that's the sort of the the, the, yeah. the bias of that light, so it's it's ugly. Um, and the old school uh, tungsten lighting, very warm, so they'll put a yellow cast o- yeah. over everything. So, um, and and that 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 will have an impact on the mood of a shot. So, if you look at uh, Hollywood movies, Val, if you're seeing that maybe uh, it's uh, they've they've set up a scene and maybe a murder's about to happen or something very scary, or they want to give the impression that it's a very bleak. Um, a, a bleak scene. What they'll do is they'll maybe put a blue cast through the whole shot. Yeah, sure. Because mm-hmm. blue will bring it down. Or if yeah. they want to make something look happy and beautiful and and you know positive, they might warm it up and uh, bring some sunshine in because that makes it, uh, you know, look happy and, and bright. Mm. The, um, the other thing that, that happens is if there is too much red uh, in your photos, your skin tones are going to look – it brings out all the extra red in the skin tone and that can not look great on in a portrait. So if we can work out a way to reduce any extra um, – color casts that are across the image um, it's going to make your image look a lot better and the the problem is we get so used to it that sometimes you take a shot and you don't even notice there's a cast on the Mm. image until you correct it and you go oh my god it looks so much better now that i've taken all the red out Mm. so um this is a, a little bit tricky val dealing with colour so what I want to say is like I want everyone to take all this on board not be bamboozled by it but just be aware of it and um it's something that if you're still getting your head around exposure at the moment stick to that get that right but be aware of uh the colour shifts but not to do too much with it at this stage uh I can remember when I was at art school Val we got this exercise where we had to go out and uh, we'd been drawing with um charcoal Right, and the teachers then suggested that we go and get coloured pencils, and we had to get um, colours that were um, the opposites in tones. And everyone went off and got it, got the pencils, and did what they was were... but I didn't understand the question, Val. <laughs> so I've come back with two of the most ridiculous. You know how, like, when sometimes people explain stuff, I don't get it all the time the first time. Right? You, oh,
1: you... really. I... <laughs>
2: literal my mind works like (laughs) yeah so I've gone out and gotten the wrong pencils to the point where the 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 lecturer stands in the class in front of all the all the other students and just says Gina we're not going to let you use color (laughs) right you can only use chart I I was traumatized at that school bell a lot of yeah so so and and so I'm just making that point because that's the experience that I went through because I didn't get it and, and I could have just gone on and just mucked it up and that would have ruined drawing for me forever. And so this was just their kind way of saying, you're not ready to handle colour yet. Okay. So they took my coloured pencils away from me and just gave <laughs> me back the crayon, so the the charcoal. So if you think, if you feel you're in that boat, then maybe just stick with the charcoal for a little bit longer because it'll make it all a bit Well, easy.
1: let me just try and understand for the people who – you know, maybe you want to emerge out of charcoal into colour. Let me just try and understand. So colour balance is effectively, you, you need an understanding that that when the camera takes the shot, it doesn't always take the shot of what your eye sees because various things impact the shot and give it perhaps a different hue or a different yes. mixture of colours and therefore it's not yeah it's not what your eye sees so are you saying that with color balance is
2: are you saying that that's what we do in post-production to kind of correct it it's, uh, it can be done in post-production, but it can also be done as you shoot. So there okay. are various ways which I'm going to discuss. Now, okay. the term white balance gets thrown around a lot. And white balance simply is that it's a process to remove any colour casts for an image, to bring it back to neutral. So we keep getting this, it's a, a recurring theme. When, progr- when cameras are programmed, they program the exposure to give you a neutral exposure that's what they want they want you somewhere in the middle and then they're saying this is correct okay Mm -hmm. when they're programming to give you a correct uh color of the image the people who program hans who programs the cameras is saying we want to give you the most neutral image so that if you take a photo of someone in a white suit okay standing in a white room when you look at that shot If it's correctly colour balanced, the white balance is correct, the whites are going to be a true white. The wall will be a true white. There won't be a a, a magenta cast or a brown cast or a blue cast across it because it's been balanced to white. It's now neutral. Mm -hmm. That's all colour balancing is, is bringing it back to neutral. Mm -hmm. All right? Mm -hmm. So... The cameras on their own do a pretty good job. So you've got actually uh, all these uh, different settings that you can set. So when you look at uh, colour and and uh, the, the, the temperature of colour is measured by something called Kelvin, which I knew a guy called Kelvin. He actually <laughs> fixed, uh, did the extension for me. Nice guy. So I didn't realise he had a whole... I met him. You did meet Kelvin. <laughs> I haven't seen him for ages. I wonder how he's going. Anyway, well, anyway. So Kels had a system of uh, measuring colour named after him. So mm-hmm. basically, uh, it's a different Kelvin. Just in you case think? we're wondering. Yeah, I think I saw the spelling was different, but I thought, geez, he's kicked on. He's done well. Oh
1: God.
2: <laughs> so colour temperature, uh, like you can. Uh, Something like, say, fire or candlelight is measured at a thousand to two thousand kelvins, right? So, right. and something like uh, an overcast sky is nine thousand to a thousand kelvins. So it goes from being very cool light to very, very warm, depending on the uh, the weather. So, like the wa- the warmest being an overcast sky. That's the warmest kind of light, and the, and the coolest is, uh, or the 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 colour temperature is fire or candlelight, right? Okay. So the camera, the, basically most, all cameras you can actually change. You can either set, the ask the camera, Hans, to balance the photo, do it automatically. So basically you take a photo of something in a fluoro lit supermarket Hans is going to go with his complicated uh, mathematical formula and go, okay, I know what this needs to be, and you'll get a photo that looks pretty decent. It does a decent job all around. If it's uh, daylight, you, it'll know that it's daylight and it'll change the colour temperature and you'll get a decent shot. But there, there, there can be problems when if you happen to be shooting where there's what happens if you're in a room and there's a lamp? which is tungsten, the overheads are fluoro, Mm. and there might be like party lights in the room and all these different colours. The camera Mm. goes, throws its hands up in the air and runs out of the room screaming (laughs) because it doesn't know what to do, all right? So it's trying to give you a new... And that's when you get images which might have like heavily green tint or a heavy magenta tint and then the, suddenly the skin tones look terrible and it's a real problem and that's when we want to come back to we are going to the next level we want to really work out how to set a correct white balance for our image.
1: Wow okay all right so before we move on to that I just in case there's some you know Trivia buffs out there, I thought I would mention that the Kelvin isn't actually named after Gina's extension builder of her house. It? It's not. <laughs> it's na- it's named after the British physicist Lord Cal- Lord Kelvin, William Thompson Kelvin, actually. So there you go. There, there you go. You've, I'm sure you now you can all sleep. <laughs> right. Say <laughs> so, all right. How, we're moving on to white balance and how are we going to organise our white balance for our cameras?
2: Yeah, yeah. So basically the white balance is, uh, is or colour balance is just about uh, removing a colour cast from an image. So yes. if if I, if I was to now uh, take my camera off automatic, which yep. just basically allowing that to, to, to change it and going to set it manually, you've got all these little... Um, settings that you can have like there's cloudy, flash, tungsten, shade, daylight. So, you know, if I was going to say I look outside today and it's a beautiful blue sky and clear, I I would set my camera to daylight and it would give me a uh the correct white balance to get a good good skin tone under those conditions. If it was uh if I was inside I'd set it to tungsten. So you can do all that, it does a really good job. But then there's uh, times when uh, if you're shoot, shooting um, – say you're moving around all day long mm. and uh, there's 50 different scenarios, are you going to keep changing your camera setting all the time? That can be a bit frustrating or you forget and mm. then suddenly you've got a colour cast. So um, these these are things that you need to keep in mind and this is where with colour balance – This is where I say, if you're not ready to jump on the RAW bandwagon yet, please, 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 because you'll thank me for it in about a year's time, at the very least shoot RAW and JPEG. Mm -hmm. Okay, because it's really hard to color balance JPEG files because all the cameras already stored all that information in there. But if you've got a RAW file, you can do all of this in post and you don't need to worry about being so sort of careful about your colour balancing. Yeah, great. Okay. All, all right. So so when you um, raw shoot raw and jpeg if you're not ready to com- completely commit to raw yet because it's yeah. a big it's a big jump you've got to get all the software and all yeah. of that okay yeah. so um in the show notes i've put some um some examples of uh probably the worst lighting situation that you can get and it was like my son was playing a gig and uh it, i had turned up thinking it's tungsten lighting. I'm a photographer. I know what I'm doing. I set my camera to tungsten, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Shot
2: the gig, get back, load them up into my laptop. It wasn't tungsten lighting, valve. What
1: was it?
2: So the new stage lights that they have now—they're not. They're—they're they're, they're like almost daylight, I think it was. So it was oh. a difference. So yeah. So when I've got my my um shots back, they're really, really red, and then. Yeah. Um, yeah, And, and we'll put these that, images in the show notes yeah, as well. Yeah. You can see that I, uh, I've i changed it and tried, well, maybe it wasn't tungsten, maybe it was daylight, da- daylight didn't work. I went through all the settings. fluoro didn't work, none of them worked. So what do you do in that situation, Val? Yeah, what? What's the correct setting? Well, Lightroom is fantastic for this. And oh. uh, well, it was very good of my son to actually wear a white T-shirt that night because <laughs> what you're trying to do is look for a neutral tone in the area that you can um actually take a uh, a white balance off and your your you can set the white balance in post production if you've shot in raw okay? okay so all I did was I had this image that had the colors were all over the place Lightroom actually allows you as a good starting point lightroom allows you to do auto white balance in post production and that's pretty close. So, as a start, I would start there. But if you want to get a bit fancier and try and get it a bit better, all you need to do is look for a neutral tone in your area. Now, in in the shot, ideally, a white, a white, something white Uh that's not blown out or not too overexposed, like a white area of the shot that's actually uh, correctly exposed. Okay, right. So basically, just find. An area in the shot that is white. So that is white and uh-huh. the next best thing is to find something mid-grey. Okay, yep. Yeah. And that works as well. And then you've got something in the de- develop module in Lightroom. You've got like a, a colour picker, which is a little dropper. Yes. You drag that across into your correctly uh, exposed area of white in your shot and you just tap on that and the... Um, the software will give you a correct white balance for the shots. Oh. you can see that those shots of rap, like you know, where I've cut, he's still got a red cast. That's the light, though. He's yes. now got a skin tone that looks real. He doesn't yeah, look, it looks normal. Uh, It looks like he a doesn't look like mode. a oompa-loompa. He doesn't look like a oompa-loompa. So um, that's the beauty of uh, using Lightroom to to create your your white balance. Gosh. All right,
1: whoever, so whoever invented lightroom's a bit of a genius' it? They? they're
2: pretty pretty impressive stuff, so mm. and that can change everything about an image so um you know for the photographers out there that are really ready to take their photography up a few notches to the next level, you might be thinking about working with designers, magazines, you know art directors, advertising agencies. You need to be able to hand over uh, images where the colours are correct because if they've given you a specific tone uh, of a sh- of clothes for fashion to mm. photograph, you get the colours wrong. It's it's wrong, or the skin tone's wrong. The whole shot's going to be wrong. So, like, if you know these l- like basic uh, hacks to do, yeah. it, then that's important. So do. You- what I do, Val, when I'm shooting is I actually don't use auto white balance and I don't set my white balance as I shoot. What I do when I'm shooting is my camera is set to 5200, which is the temperature of daylight. Right. That makes it makes warmer and it stays there no matter what I shoot and I shoot raw. So that's 5200 kelvins. Kelvins. And Mm -hmm. so you can go into your camera settings and you can either set it by the presets, cloudy, light, whatever, or you can go in further and you can actually adjust the temperature. So I keep mine at 5200 because I know the majority of my shooting is going to be either in daylight conditions or using flash and daylight combined. Mm -hmm. But that's getting me pretty close. And then in post-production, that's when I'm doing my color balancing The other thing I'm doing, Val, Mm -hmm. is if I'm um, photographing something that I know the colour is absolutely crucial, I use something called a grey card when I'm exposing. Which you can buy from. You can get them everywhere from Amazon, and um, yeah, I've put a couple of links in the show notes. You can actually get grey cards, so it's 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 basically a piece of grey card. Which is mid grey in tone, and I think every photographer should have one. You can get an app as well that you can put on your phone. Probably not going to be as accurate because no. got the light and everything. But like a bit of a grey card. I think the underside of Pringles is also the same colour. <laughs> As are you serious? I've heard, yeah, I've heard that and uh, some coffee um, containers. So, if you get hold of that. Or if you happen to be like a photographer that owns grey shoes or grey pants, just buy them in, in mid-grey. Right? Or, or,
1: yeah,
2: uh, or just get a grey card. Or just get a grey card. But, like, wouldn't it be cool if you just put your foot up in the shot and took a reading off that that you knew? It just, oh just adds God. another level to it. So... Um, so the steps involved, if I'm, and and this is just makes your shot. It makes life so much easier that you just get the person that you're photographing to hold this little bit of grey card up in yes. front of them in the light that you're going to be shooting in, and you 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 take a photo of that. Yes, like you try and fill the frame in that area, and then when you get back to the to 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 your office and and you've uh, uploaded your photos you will take that into lightroom or capture or whatever software that you use and you will do a click balance on that gray and you will get a perfectly color balanced image perfectly color balanced the the under the light conditions that you've shot in so it doesn't matter if you've got 15 different kinds of light in that shot mm. you will get the perfect exposure there's another s- series of shots in the show notes that i've showed what a difference color temperature can make on an image so i've got a a, uh these are stills for actually a tv show that i was shooting and it was it shot in daylight i think with a bit of fluoro but you can see that you know when when it's uh the the image has been rated for tungsten it's very very blue Mm. right and then when it's been rated for uh daylight it gets it's too brand too too warm and then there's also the custom setting uh, and uh, uh auto was very sterile looking in my mind mm. it, it's it's sterile it's like it's it's average mm-hmm. and then the custom one that i did is looks right to me because it's like it's got a bit more personality it's yes. got a bit more my style but it's still correct but it makes a huge difference
1: yeah Interesting. So, yeah, we're so basically there's six shots and we'll put the images in the show notes and um, it's of a couple of guys. One guy is helping another guy put his tie on and uh, what we've included there is, um, as Gina mentioned, just it's shot on auto but also the custom version but also the same image at different levels of Kelvins, you know, so whether that, El- they cor- correspond guy. to – whether they correspond to daylight or to tungsten or whatever. So it's very interesting because the same shot can look totally different.
2: Completely different. So knowing that, Val, we can actually work with uh, colour tone to uh, add emotion to our images or add personality. And so, you know, unless you're working for an advertiser where, where it has to be absolutely super correct – to suit their their layout or whatever, yeah. you can actually tweak the colour. So I'll, I'll, often a lot of landscapes that I shoot, I crank up the colour, I warm them up because yeah. it adds something, another level to the image. Or sometimes I uh, will play and I will brush on uh, a, a cool tone into the shadows yeah. just because that changes the the look and the of the image just by playing with colour. So there's a lot of things you can do with colour to really make the image your own. And, and like, as I said, like a lot of, uh, you see it a lot in Hollywood movies um, and a lot of photographers will, will, t- will desaturate or take out tones or add tones to their image just to give it, and it's subtle, but it makes a big difference. Great. Okay, fantastic. Um, mm.
1: <clears throat> what else? Um, we kind of covered it, Val. Great, great. We'll also put some links in the show notes if you want to get some of the grey cards, um, yeah. just as a reminder. So um, you can get them pretty easily online and they're, and they're small. They just fit in your camera bag, don't they? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah they're tiny. Yeah, yeah. And you can get actually bigger ones that like, they're like reflectors, Val, Like yeah. they pop open like that. So right, that, that's yes. really cool as well if you want to do a bigger area. Okay,
1: cool. So the yeah. thing with colour balance or white balance is that in this is particular – I mean, it's relevant, of course, if you um – It's relevant for all types of photography, but it is particularly relevant if you need, if you're wanting to achieve a particular result or if you're wanting to really meet a specific brief from a client. Uh, Because sometimes, you know, you can just take your shots and that's fine. You're just doing it for fun. But if you want to actually, you know, just get that extra edge, you have to be paying attention to your color balance, your white balance, right?
2: Yep. Exactly, and so those of you who do have Lightroom loaded now, maybe just go through your archives yep. and yes. dig out a few portrait shots and just have oh, a go exactly. at that uh, that white balance, maybe first do an auto one and then yeah. go back and use the uh, colour adjustment, the the little dropper there and find try and find that neutral tone. Try and find an area of white that's well exposed yes. and uh, try clicking on that. And don't be afraid to tweak because it's like you might find that the image is too warm or too magenta or too cold. And, uh, and play with the sliders and see how it, uh, it changes the shot. Yeah, and, absolutely.
1: Um, it's so it's worth knowing. Yeah, and if you're going to do that in Lightroom, please do, and upload your photos to the Facebook group, like your yes. before and after. We'd really yes. love to see whether yeah. you know what difference it makes once you once you do that. And for those of you who maybe aren't ready to do Lightroom yet, um, maybe what you want to do is just do some of that testing. Uh, like go back to the previous episode about the matrix, about the light metering and um, do a little bit more practice on that on different skin tones and yes. and measure, metering on um, on whatever the skin tone is and then making a judgment as to whether you need to be going uh, underexposing or overexposing, depending, remembering that the metering has decided that that is the mid-grey. So yes. it's... Give it a go either way. We'd love to hear, you know, your results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we um, worth
2: doing for sure.
1: Yeah, really good. Awesome, awesome topic this week, Gina. Uh, so before we wrap up, what are you doing in the next week photographic-wise? And, you know, are you going to be cooking more roasts? <laughs>
2: Roast smells amazing, really does. Now oh, um, yeah, you're making so, me hungry. I, <laughs> this uh, I'm actually going to be in Sydney uh, this week. Val, that's just, right. Which I've been casting all week, it's... so I've actually had to stare at like scantily clad men all week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not yeah, sure that's PC alright. for uh, us YouTube, to say
2: that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, just like lots of guys, model, male models, like. The go to is just uh shirt off. I think that's the default setting for male yeah. models. Will they, so they have it, your shirt off photos? Will they have their shirt off in the No, they have the shopping. shirt on and and just a bit of advice if you were a male model wanting to get noticed these days, keep it on. Keep the shirt on. You're going to stand out in the sea of photos because every guy has got his top off. Mm. In the shots, so, so yeah, so up, up to Sydney that big shoot. Um, yes, and, it's, it's uh, going to be it's exciting. I've heard about it. It's going to be mammoth. A few new toys that I've just done an Amazon shop fell, and I oh, keep, oh my goodness, I know B B and H I bought from. Oh yes, and, and then I checked out and remembered five other things that I needed to buy for the Philippines for our trip. Oh yes, after I checked out, so annoying because like postage isn't cheap oh yes I know so I have to go back on again and get some more stuff but okay. that's like being in a lovely shop it's so <laughs> exciting you go oh no I, oh, I might get more some of these and some of this and yes. of four of those it was great I'm gonna try and
1: sneak onto your big shoot in Sydney yes uh, and uh, I'll stay out of the way, but I'm sure I'll be useful to, you know, carry a reflector or, or something yep. like that at some point and uh, report back on the podcast behind the scenes what Gina's really like on a photo shoot. Well, I do know because I've been on lots of photo shoots with you, but maybe I'll get some yes. photographic evidence this time.
2: Oh, you never know. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll
1: never know. <laughs> All right.
2: Uh, where do we find you online, Gina? So I'm at Gina Militia on Twitter and Instagram. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, and uh, in the Facebook group, and uh, also hanging around the forum. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so yes.
1: <laughs> and I'm at Valerie Koo. That's K H O O. And I'm on Instagram and on Twitter. And I am in the Facebook group as well. And I've been mucking around with Snapchat just for fun. So on Snapchat, I am the Valerie Koo. This Valerie Koo was already taken.
2: Is there another uh, of... A- how dare she? I
1: know, I know, right? But uh, I'll also be seeing you guys within the gold membership of the community, so check it out. We'd love for you to check it out at ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community, and you'll see all the great stuff that we've got in there. But thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we look forward to bringing you next week's
2: episode. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer.